Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid back nature. He's a family man and being a country mega star while also having seven kids. You know, he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello again. It's time for another edition of the most interesting podcast on baseball. It is the Book of Joe podcast with me, Tom Verducci, and Joe Madden. Joe, the baseball season has begun, and I seem to recall there was a spring training for you with the Angels where your theme was play like it's, what was it, 1985? 1985, yeah, right, right. You must be digging the baseball that's being played right now because it does remind me a little bit of 1985. Yeah, honestly, I've, I've, I have enjoyed the pace of the whole thing. I have. I think everybody has. And um and actually, that was one of the things I wrote on the top of my sheet here today. Um, yes, no question. I don't think there's anybody out there who's not really enjoying the pace of the game. And is, is I guess, but I don't know if it's a rhetorical question or maybe it's probably not, but is just the pace of the game, is that enough to, to re-conjure uh, interest in the game? Uh, the fact that people could watch it or sit in a ballpark or watch it on TV, is it is is this going to wear off the fact that it's a quicker paced game? Or is that the linchpin to making you want to watch it more intently? In other words, is that is it a good enough reason uh, to consider even at this early juncture, the experiment of success? Um, you know, I still have, I've still heard people talk about, uh, yes, we love the pace of the game, but the quality of the game, you know, there's still a bunch of strikeouts, um, I don't even know to what extent base stealing is up. Uh, I know strikes are still there pretty heavily. I remember over this past weekend reading about the Giants and the uh, Yankees still having a bunch of punch outs in those games. Um, So anyway, yes, the pace of the game is wonderful. I'm just asking you, I guess, also uh, with the feedback, because you're more closely connected. I am the feedback regarding that and 
how it's connected to the actual play of the game, the actual performance of the game, the fundamentals of the game. Do people seem to feel or believe that those are also uh, trending in the right direction? Well, let's see. I'll just give you some numbers to start out with in terms of the time of game. Cool. Because pace of play so far, time of game, first week of the season, two hours, 39 minutes. It has not been below 2.45 since, drumroll please, 1985. Okay, nice. Long time. You're talking about people who are 40 and younger who've literally never seen baseball played like this. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for them and happy for the rest of us who are over 40 who are now seeing a better-played, crisper game. Um, that's, so that's 27 minutes of dead time. Cut out one fell swoop from where the game was last year. And I'll give you an example. I was at Yankee Stadium for the Yankees playing the Phillies Monday night. First weeknight of the season, night game. And I'm telling you, that was a game with nine walks, nine runs. Last year, it would have taken three and a half hours, and it was under 240, right around 240. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, people were there at the end of the game. Even though the game was not competitive, they stuck around to see Aaron Judge's last at bat. If that's a three and a half hour game, people start clearing out after two and a half hours. You can now tell your family, hey, we can go to a weeknight game, and we can get home in time and bed in time to go to school tomorrow, to go to work tomorrow, that makes a huge difference. All right, now, phase two, as you astutely pointed out, Joe, is is the quality of play now enough to keep people coming back? And I think we're getting there. Stolen bases are at their highest rate right now since 2012. The stolen base percentage, is, I can't believe this, it's up to 88% success rate. And once those dudes in the analytics office realize that that success rate is that high, they're going to green light even more attempts. Runs, batting average, home runs, singles, stolen bases, all up so far. And yes, strikeouts are up. We have to give that time, though, because right now we're seeing the front end of rotations, the better pitchers in the game. Uh, let's see how that plays out. But the other thing, here's a key for me, Joe, and I know it's key for you. What I've noticed so far with the pole side of the field now open up for ground ball singles, mm -hmm. launch angle has gone down for the first time since this launch angle revolution began in 2015. In other words, left-handed hitters, not that they want to hit ground balls, but when they do, they're being rewarded. And when they step in the box, they don't feel like they have to hit the ball over the army of people who are on the right side of the field. So I think... In time, Joe, to answer your question, we are getting to a better, more aesthetic game that then will keep people coming back to the ballpark for the product, not just the fact that it's faster. Cool. Um, yeah, and the, the, back to your base dealing uh, part of it, too. So the thing I've noticed, I think, um, and I could almost imagine this is this might be from top to bottom, um, don't even try re regarding stopping the stolen base because that's something, you know, historically there's a lot of groups that weren't even concerned about uh, the stolen base is being a really big run production, um, productive part of the game either. So I'm, I'm just curious, um, our team's just saying, you know, listen, I don't want my pitchers. I want our pitchers, uh, changing any of this. If we, if we happen to mitigate it a bit by the one throw over and then having the other one in our back pocket in case they don't want to go, um, is the conversation changed? Um, cause like, you know, this whole time I've been talking about pitch outs, pitch outs are going to be more prominent, uh, pitchers will get quicker to the plate. 
Um, you know, I thought these different things might become pertinent, but the other thing I didn't take into consideration is that there's going to be certain groups, I think, that might say, don't worry about it. Even if they steal a base, it's not a big concern because I don't want you guys to alter what you're doing out there. Let's still get out the hitter because the, the stolen base isn't as pertinent to scoring runs as some people think it may be. So I wonder how much that's part of the um, equation, too, in regards to uh, team philosophies. And again, an analytical department just trying to analyze when the base is stolen and then it would be with zero outs or one out or two outs. There might be different levels of concern based on number of outs in the inning too. Uh, all those things uh, are going to be evaluated, I believe. So um, yes, the stolen bases, because the games I've watched, I've watched like not even trying. Not saw somebody steal third base yesterday where there was not even an attempt by the by the pitcher to hold. Oh, so, I think it was a Seattle game, but not even an attempt to hold him at second base, slow, slow to the plate, no chance. You know the guy's going to run. And the same thing with uh, a, a reliever, I think, with the Indians. Um, was really, really slow to the plate, and there was no way he was even concerned about any of this. So I'd be curious uh, what that kind of discussion looks like among analytical people that don't even worry about it, just be concerned about getting the hitter out. That's a great point. I think there's some, especially some of the bigger, slower relief pitchers, I don't think they're going to change their game. I just think that the the green light is a little brighter yeah. um, because you know in recent years it's kind of been verboten to make an out on the bases or even risking out on the bases. And I, and I think baseball is starting to lose that. I don't think the stolen base numbers right now are crazy high. As I mentioned, it's the highest per game since 2012. So we're not really talking about the 1980s yet, but that success rate is super high. So I do think in time that attempts will go up. That brings me to something that um, a commissioner of baseball, Rob Manford, said last week. And I want to get your reaction to this, Joe. I was at uh, a luncheon with him at the Paley Media Center in New York, and he brought up this story. And we were talking about a better aesthetic game, if you will. And he said a longtime owner told him, I've got so many of these analytic guys on my staff. I have no idea what they're doing. So I spent one week with them in the bunker trying to decide, you know, what impact are these guys making? And he, this owner told the commissioner, I came away with this impression. Analytics is an arms race to nowhere. He didn't think the effort that was going into this, now that everybody is doing it, was producing edges that were measurable, noticeable difference makers in the game. Not to say they don't exist, but he thought they were so marginal, this owner, that it's kind of lost its edge. And the commissioner of baseball said, that has become one of my favorite sayings because it's true. And I think what we're seeing with the rules here, and it's not to say analytics are not good. I, you know, I love them. I love what they're doing in terms of shaping pitches. What's going on inside these pitching labs and hitting labs now is just amazing. But when it comes to the style of the game, I do think, and you saw this, Joe, with the pitch framing with shifts. You were at the forefront of shifts yourself with the Rays a, a decade ago. Mm -hmm. But as everybody started adopting it, the advantages disappeared and the game suffered. And I think that's what he was driving at, that now we're at a point where, you know, you have to have athleticism on defense because you can't rely on the algorithms to tell you where to stand. Um, so I'm curious to your reaction. This is Commissioner of Baseball now saying that analytics is a race to nowhere at this point because they're so far developed 
and essentially universally adopted. Yeah, I mean, everybody, you're right. Everybody's been trying to get the biggest baseball ops. Um, and I think it's almost a contest to have the team with the biggest baseball ops. There's so much redundancy with all of this stuff. Um, uh, it's incredible because if you hire somebody to be an analyst for your group, you know what they do all day long? They analyze stuff. And then they, they, they really, uh, they start presenting things to you that, you know, really look pretty on a piece of paper, but have nothing to do with winning or losing the game that night. It's just another thing that I do because I sit and have to think of things all day. And thus I'm analytically coming up with these new postures here, uh, postulates, and all of a sudden doesn't really matter, but that's what I'm paid to do. So, and like you're saying, the edges, the edges existed when this all began, when, when, when it was new and, and unpopular, basically at that time with the race, man, the edges were wide, there were wide edges and we were just killing it on the edges and everybody was making fun of us. And then eventually, uh, you know, I remember the one series I might have talked to you, we were playing the Yankees at the Trop, and I mean, they were hitting bullets everywhere, and we're standing right in the way, and they were like, there was smoke coming out of their ears, the hitters, the Yankee hitters. But that's where we had our advantage. That's how the race got uh, better quicker, and that's where people began to take notice, but still didn't want to do it because we were the outliers. Uh, this is crazy. Why are they doing this stuff? They're trying to reinvent the game. These are all the things we heard at that time. But we were working on the edges and we're working them really well. But now it really speaks to what I've been saying about uh, the lack of identity per organization because everybody wants to be the same. Everybody is in an arms race and an and analyst race in regards to trying to get more brain power upstairs to present more paperwork before the game with the uh, attempt or thought or desire that it's going to help win the game more than the other side. Not true. Um, really, and I, I, uh, this really speaks, I think, back to what I originally had spoken to you about, that uh, acquisitions, that's where analytics really uh, shine. So what we're talking about is we all have this huge, every team's got this huge, beautiful analytical department with all these dudes that really are very bright. But at the end of the day, who has better baseball players to play the game of baseball better? And that, and that's really what it comes down to: the preparation, the fundamentals, the execution, uh, the the thought or the idea. What do you consider important within that dugout, within that clubhouse? Everybody keeps talking about the Indians, and how you're kind of like in a fist fight with these guys when you play them. Why? Because they're they're trying to play the game hard and right. Not nothing revolutionary here. So to me, if you really want to be successful uh, in this game. Uh, yeah, get really good baseball players. And yeah, teach the game fundamentally sound and go out there and play it hard every night. And while you're doing that, utilize this stuff. Utilize some information. Put your short stuff in the right spot as well as you can. Have your hitter, your pitchers know exactly where to pitch to the number four hitter on this team or where he's going to expand the strike zone. Yes, that it, it, that's all part of it, absolutely. But that's always been part of it. The difference now is there's so much information. Yes, it's more accurate. It's more accurate than when I was doing it back in the day. It just is. I didn't have that. We didn't have that, that. Those resources to to scout everybody every day, every game. But at the end of the day, better baseball players playing better baseball win. And how do you prep your team? I would be so into developing my own uh, personal organizational philosophy and identity now. Because if you do do that now, I think that's the next uh, area to really get ahead of the rest of the group. If you could create your own uh, cocktail. And, and live by it and be successful by it. That's what you really need to do. 
by the way, you owe me two bucks what for I borrowing from your fine system when you're people. We changed the Devil Rays to Rays. Right. And people were still calling the Devil Rays. That That's baseball right. team in Cleveland, they're the Guardians. The Guardians, okay. Yeah, you owe me two bucks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when we come back, I, I want to talk to you, Joe, about one of your former players as it relates to fan behavior. When do players cross the line? We'll ask that question and answer it right after this. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Book of Joe. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. I'm talking, of course, with Joe Madden, former manager of the Los Angeles Angels. And one of those players gotten hot water with the commissioner's office, Anthony Rendon. 
out in Oakland. It's probably the most uncomfortable walk in baseball for players. When they leave the field, there's no tunnel, at least until you get to the tunnel. You have to walk essentially in front of the stands, and you're actually in arm's reach of the fans, and we saw that. Somebody said something to Anthony. He reacted by pulling on the fan's shirt and taking a swipe at him. Thankfully, he missed He was suspended five games and basically challenged that, got it reduced to four games. So four-game suspension for Anthony Rendon for what could have been a much worse incident. You think about what might have happened if he actually made contact with the fan taking a swing at him. Uh, First of all, Joe, I need your reaction. You know Anthony well. When you heard about this, what did you think? It had to be something. Whoever this person was had to say something, obviously, that cut pretty deeply. And like you're saying right there, um, that walk is a really tough walk. And I'm betting now you're going to see other measures being taken to uh, prevent that from happening again. Uh, Because there's also that incident a couple years ago out in the bullpen, too. I mean, Oakland's rife. It's it's ready for all kinds of confrontation between – uh, fans and players at different times, the way the whole thing is set up. But um, what I thought was, um, like I said, it had to be something severe. Uh, Anthony's pretty uh, a pretty mild-mannered fellow, uh, but also uh, I'm not advocating fighting, but I also believe what he did there with all the players around him, that's one of those things that could actually charge up the team. Like you said, fortunately, there wasn't any contact made, and you should never um, – we should never want to go into the stands. You should never want to do that. But again, I, I've heard some stuff, man. I've heard some stuff when I was managing in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. We've talked about that. I've heard some stuff in Port Charlotte. Uh, I've heard some stuff in Shreveport. And I've heard some stuff on Major League Stands, which comes out of the stands uh, down to the field. Um, it's it's crass. It's brutal. It's crude. Um, and there's, I don't care how much money you pay to get in the ballpark. People shouldn't be yelling that stuff to players. So, yeah, everybody's going to put the, the brunt of this on Anthony, and I understand that because we do have to really curb whatever that desire is uh, for retribution because it could be dirty sometimes, man. It gets real dirty. So, again, I'm, I'm glad he didn't make contact. I want to believe that we have to, MLB, really recognize places like that that can be a little bit more potentially volatile between fans and players. So, um it had to be. It had to be bad because I know Anthony had to be like really uh, cutting and sharp. Um, but again, weirdly, um, no harm, no foul. In a sense, nobody was hit, nobody was hurt. Um, this could really inspire the Angels a bit. I mean, the fact because uh, he got in that fight last year when they were in uh, against Seattle in the latter part of the year, he was the guy that stepped up for that too. So Anthony, Anthony's got this quiet demeanor about him, but uh, it absolutely indicates what's going on within him. So there's so many different ways of looking at it. No, don't go after Finn. No, don't go in a stance. No, never attempt to hit one. However, human beings, man, you get some real dirty stuff being yelled at you, and I think I'm sure whatever was said at Anthony was really pretty bad. Yeah, two things to point out here. Number one, these things have happened all the time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's nothing new in terms of this tension and what people think they are allowed to do at the ballpark. But number two, I think it has ratcheted up. I think it's just part of the general decline in civil discourse, Mm -hmm. the lack of other people to stand up and say, knock it off and, and let people know in a group setting, it's not acceptable behavior rather than just thinking it's funny or it's acceptable. 
Um, so I think this goes on. I think you referenced it, that ballpark, Joe, and the incident in 2004 with Frank Francisco, the reliever for the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. There was actually a guy who prided himself on heckling people in that Oakland bullpen, which is right next to the stands. Um, I guess he went too far in Francisco's book, and Francisco went too far in his reaction. He threw a chair into the stands. Uh, it broke a woman's nose. There was a lawsuit that was eventually settled, but an ugly incident. He was suspended 15 games. I'm going to take you back to 1986. I was at a game at Yankee Stadium where Spike Owen and Jim Rice collided near the left field stands. And in the course of those two players getting medical attention, a fan grabbed, reached over and grabbed Jim Rice's hat. Once Jim Rice found out he was okay and things started to settle, he's like, where's my hat? He saw someone in the stands wearing it. Jim Rice and then about four, five, six other Red Sox players went into the stands at Yankee Stadium. You talk about a scary incident. Mm-hmm. To retrieve his hat and he got it back. Um, luckily, I don't think there was any kind of fine or suspension. But just to make the point that there's been a long history of things like this going on in baseball, we should never accept it. Uh, we understand why it happens, but that's a line a player can't cross. I understand some of the things that are coming out of the stands here are, are really nasty. And, and I know here's another story for you. And Joe, this is one of your and my favorite players, Tony Phillips, mm-hmm. playing for the Chicago White Sox in 1996. Apparently, he heard a lot of heckling in the course of the game playing the outfield there. He comes out of the game after seven innings, and he had told the fan who was heckling him to meet him under the left field stands at the old Milwaukee County Stadium. So during the game, Tony Phillips gets out of his uniform, goes out under the stands in left field, and punches <laughs> the dude out. <laughs> I mean, you cannot advocate that. He was fined. $5,000, which doesn't sound like a whole lot. This is punching a fan in the course of a game. Uh, of course, Tony said the things he was hearing were super, super nasty, and that's why he responded that way. Mm-hmm. But I just think those are sort of isolated incidents. But I, I think, and I'm curious your take on this, Joe. I, I've heard from some players that things have gotten nastier in the stands because people now think they have a quote-unquote right to say what they want. And I've actually had some people play now say that now people are betting on games. They actually are angrier when things don't work out their way. It's an interesting concept now that betting is so common and people have literally money riding on the outcome of the game with a deeper financial and emotional investment that ratchets up their reactions. Interesting. I don't know whether you noticed anything getting worse or different in, in your years managing, Joe, but I, I do think it's a little edgier. I'm not just talking about baseball either. No, it, it has, and there's been different cities, and I've had security come down by the dugout several times uh, based on different things that I was hearing, just I was hearing, because, listen, I, I'm really locked into a game, so for me to have to get my um, attention split like that, it has to be pretty awful. The One of the last ones was in Pittsburgh that I really uh, – I couldn't even uh, focus on the game anymore based on what was coming out of the stands, and eventually – uh, I got I, I got some attention of security there, and I got them to go talk to somebody. But apparently, this person was uh, some kind of a contributor uh, within the group there, and I didn't get the kind of retribution I was looking for. Yeah, it's um, and you're, you hit the nail on the head. I believe. I mean, I, all the ba- the gambling, the betting stuff. Um, you know, we're talking about when you go to a ball game in the Santo Domingo, uh, you go to winter ball down in uh, particularly the Dominican Republic, which I've seen. A lot of gambling going on in, in the uh, 
in the stands over anything, a ball strike, out hit, whatever it might be. Um, and there's, it, it does tend to lead to fights uh, at that in those uh, stands. Now it's kind of fun. It's raucous in a sense, but then again, when the, the level that society's taking everything to today, who knows what it could eventually lead to. And now that uh, gambling is so prevalent in our game in ballparks up on the board, just talking about a fantasy King or all these other things that uh, uh, promote uh, betting on the game. And you're right. It, it can get even more severe within the stands. Uh, and that's where a player that may disappoint uh, somebody that has whatever writing on that particular moment, it can get it can get dirty. I'm telling you, the word's dirty, and I, I've I've experienced it with my granddaughter in a World Series game in Philadelphia. Um, the stuff, you know, as a grandfather, you know, you might say, you know, the hell with being a major league manager. I'm going to defend my granddaughter's honor right here. This is like, it's that bad. It's that bad, and it's stuff that the uh, all of us normally in a normal uh, walking down the street or sitting in a restaurant, somebody came up started blasting like that. They don't have the right to say those kind of things to you just because they paid to attend. Um, so there is, there's a, there's a downgrading of deviancy within our whole group of, within society. We got, like you said, somebody in the stands really needs to stand up and say, Hey, listen, you know, you know, we're not doing, you don't do that here. We don't do that here. Um, or tell it. There's a kid sitting right here. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And uh, I'd love to see us become more vigilant with that. I know, listen, God, security's everywhere, and we're worried about everything everywhere. But I'm telling you, man, it's you're right. With the gambling component, it's going to get accelerated, and we just got to be really careful with that. Yeah, and I just wanted to double down on what you said about uh, if you're at a situation like that in a ballpark, uh, you do not have to accept it. And, in fact, I think it's an obligation to speak up mm -hmm. because what goes on is only what we allow and a lot of these new ballparks, um, they do have um, text messaging where you can contact anonymously security and, and just alert them to a situation, let those people handle it, mm -hmm. but make sure they know about it. Uh, you know, it's a shame that you would have to leave the ballpark with a negative feeling or, you know, a, a negative environment around you in the course of enjoying a game that takes away from your enjoyment uh, without doing anything about it. So you are empowered. We all are Correct. Um, standing up for what's right. It sounds hard sometimes, but it's not the right thing to do is always the better choice. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and I, I want to get Joe's take on the American league West. Now it's the time of year to overreact <laughs> because this is all we have one week so far, but man, there's a lot to talk about. What might be the most fascinating division in baseball. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, 
during and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, Joe, American League West. I mean, we all have the Houston Astros as the team to beat. That's not going to change after a week of the season. But um, your buddy Bruce Bochy already doing a heck of a job with the Texas Rangers. I think he's got that team not just hoping that they can win, but believing that they can win. Yes, I think he's that kind of culture difference maker. Uh, Your Angels are just on fire and a lot of that has to do with the momentum Mike Trout and Shohei Otani taking from the WBC into this season. Uh, and the Astros have hit a couple of bumps in the road here uh, with some injuries, no question about that. But give me your take on this division, Joe. Is it is it going to be a lot tighter than it's been the last few years? I think so. Um, you know, if you want to begin with the Angels, I, I you know I like the pitching a lot because I, I don't know their bullpen. I don't know how well that bullpen is going to hold up. But the starters are really that good. Those young starters are that good. I'm a big fan. Um, I don't know Anderson that well, but he's good. But uh, Patrick Sandoval, Reed Detmers, Suarez, um, this whole group, um, it, it, they're that good. These guys are that good, and they're very um, tightly knit. Their work ethic is great. They're, they're very motivated. So uh, from that perspective, I, I do like the, the pitching a lot. Uh, the team on the field's gotten better. There's just more There's more grown-ups. That's the, the word I used to use all the time. I wanted more grown-ups in the locker room. I like Drury. I've always liked Drury Renfro. These guys are real. Now, if you have David Fletcher coming off the bench as a utility guy, obviously that makes you stronger too. And I like, I'll tell you, the, the hidden secret there, I think, is, is it Ohapi? Is that how you say his name, the catcher? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got a nice presence about him. And I've, I've, the limited time I've seen them play, I really like, I just like his presence. Uh, I think I like his swing. I have to watch more. But uh, first blush, he's he's really an interesting young man behind the plate. And of course, you talk about show and, and Michael and everything, of course. But and 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 Taylor Ward, Taylor Ward is that good. This is not a fluke. Uh, this guy is that good. He's that good of a hitter. He has a great approach. Um, the thing he has to do is stay on the field and be well. But uh, he's he's a nice baseball player. So yes. And then I, I did watch the Rangers, and again, their pitching's greatly improved too. Uh, they got a really good team on the field, and and Boach. 
uh, Boch is a very calming influence and an inspirational one too. And he's going to, these guys are going to quote unquote want to play for him. They just are. I mean, Boch is that, that kind of a dude. He's, he walks out there. It's like, you know, Clint Eastwood in the latter days of his life going out to the mountain and exchange a pitcher. I mean, he just has, it used to be John Wayne. I think now it's Clint Eastwood, but I, I love Boch and I think that's exactly what he's got going on there. Houston's going to be Houston. I mean, Coming off a World Series, there's so many things going on. Uh, you don't have as much time to heal injuries. Um, there is a mental hangover. I, I dispute that with anybody that disagrees. There is such a thing as that. And Seattle, Seattle's off to a rugged start. They lost some tough games I saw with Cleveland. and uh, But they're nice. They're good. They're going to come back. I, I just think that this division has an opportunity to pretty much um, – you know, remain tight. It's going to be a tightly knit race, I think, the whole year. I don't think you're going to see anybody really break away because I think the pitching, each team has enough pitching to prevent somebody else from breaking away. Um, so, yeah, it is, it's really interesting. And I have. I mean, I'm at the point now, again, where I could watch a game um, really without any kind of uh, feeling. It's a very um, um, able to just look at it, dissect it without any emotion. I kind of dig in on that. So, um, yeah, I think that this division is going to be fun to watch all year. And I think the pitching is really going to make a, a big mark within this division. Uh, by the way, I wanted to agree with you on Logan O'Hoppy. Um, surround him a little bit in spring training. He does have a way about him. Super confident kid, relaxed for a young player. Um, driven for sure, but he's just got this way about him like he knows he belongs. And we talk a lot about that on the, mm -hmm. the Book of Joke podcast. When you get to that point where you belong, it just appears, and that's a good sign outwardly, that he, he's already in that spot. Good trade for them. That was in the uh, that was a Brandon Marsh trade with the Phillies. The Phillies obviously went to the World Series short-term game. Maybe Marsh has got a little more offense in the game than what we've seen, but that's a nice identifier by Perry Manazian to pick up a catcher like that. And the Phillies knew he was going to be an everyday catcher. It wasn't like they traded somebody they undervalued, but they were willing to pay that price. Mm -hmm. Let me circle back to something you said, Joe, because you, you talked about the, the hangover, right? The letdown. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's Houston has done a good job guarding against that, but I'm looking at the Phillies right now. And I've seen this so many times. And, and you had two clubs that went to the World Series, came back. You warned them about it, and it still happened. Mm -hmm. You know, Phillies slow played their starting pitchers, especially Nola and Wheeler, in spring training because they pitched that seventh month last year. And you saw, and again, super small sample size, but first start, not the same crispness. Nola, who's a premier strike thrower, not throwing strikes. Um, they're in trouble if those guys do not pitch deep into the game and punch people out. Uh, and again, I'm not making a big deal out of one star, but I'm just saying I've seen this happen a lot where teams, it takes them two months to really get established after that, you know, that excitement and full house every night and playing a pressurized games for a month straight and you come back and the environment's different. I'm seeing that with the Phillies and they're the first team I look at Joe and I say, they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. No, no Reese Hoskins. You know, Bryce Harper is is going to come back sooner than people think. They're just, just saying uh, all-star break, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's early June. Mm -hmm. Everything has been go so far, so unless he does have a setback, he looks pretty good right now. But they're short. That, that lineup is not nearly as deep. And again, the pitching now has just crumbled in the first week of the season. Uh, hangover, 
I don't know, but Joe, you've gone through it. I've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me it's not there. There's some element. I'm not writing off the start entirely to that. Sure. But that's a backdrop that I've seen. You've lived it. How about that hangover effect? Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it in the you're right there regarding uh, you know going slowly with the starting pitchers during spring training, and they feel that they. I'm not disputing that. I've done the same thing. We've done the same thing. I did it with the uh, we did it with the Angels uh, in 2003. We did it with the Rays in 2009. And uh, 2003 didn't turn out well for the Angels. 2009 didn't turn out well for the Rays either. But then 2017, uh, we did. We got back with the Cubs. We did get back to the NLCS. So um, I, I, it's too early for me to really panic in any way, shape, or form. Um, if these guys, if these really good players, these really good pitchers, if you know they're healthy uh, and they really are healthy, um, or if there's some kind of little gizmo going on there that you're aware of that nobody else is, that could become a little bit more disconcerting and concerning. But uh, overall, I would just, um, I know what's going on in my locker room. I know what's going on with my guys. Um, I know where they're coming from. I know Schwarber. I know Real, Real Mudo. I mean, yeah, even though Har- Harper's at least there in the building, uh, Reese Hoskins a nice player, but I still think that's a little bit more replaceable. Um, uh, I would just, just be patient with that. I mean, they could break out and win four or five in a row any time. Now, they lost, what, three in Texas, right? Yeah. Yep, and that one in New York. You know, let let them get home at some point here also. Little home cooking uh, may be very beneficial to them too. If this was happening at home, it'd be a little bit more uh, concerning, I think. But um, I would just bear with it. Um, if I'm the manager of that team, I would just want to know if anybody's really not healthy here. I'm watching them work. I'm listening to them talk. I watch them in the clubhouse, where they're coming from. Is there any kind of uh, inner turmoil going on? Um, no, it's, it looks really good. I, I like these guys. The conversation's good. Plus, I like their shortstop a lot. He's going to get hot. So all this stuff, I think, is going to rectify itself. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think in time they will. When I asked Rob Thompson if there was anything he as a manager was concerned about, besides the results, obviously, um, the only thing he pointed out was they have to be better at strike throwing. And, and as you know, that that can it's not just the number of walks, although they've had a lot of those. It's, it's not getting the, the, the count leverage in your favor enough. And that's mm-hmm. that's been happening, especially out of the bullpen for Phillies. I, I think in time they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when you start a season, Joe, until you really establish you've got some momentum, get that first win, feel like you've got something building. There's so much attention paid to the short sample of how you get out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, you got to stop it. Yep. You got to get back on the tracks before it really gets gets crazy off the tracks. Well, we started with the Rays one year. Was it one and seven or zero and seven, zero and eight? I don't know. I can't remember what it was, and uh, it was something that bad. And we're on a plane flight from Tampa to Chicago to play the White Sox, and I uh, had a really good bottle of Charbet whiskey with me. So I got those little like little mouthwash cups. And I went down the aisle, up and down the aisle of the airplane, and I poured everybody a little shot of Charbet, which is really good if you get a shot. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Anyway, I went up and down the aisle, then went back up, and I grabbed the microphone in the front uh, from the flight attendant, and I said, you know, here's to the best one in six, seven, whatever it was, eight team in the history of Major League Baseball. Just stay with it, boys. We're going to be just fine. And that team ended up in the playoffs that year. And at the end of the season – I didn't have any sharp bailiff, but I got another um, bottle of something. I walked around, did the same thing in the clubhouse after we lost. And I said, you know what? I was I was correct. This is the best 
one and eight team in the history of Major League Baseball. So you just got to be patient. Bad things happen during the year. When it happens in the beginning, you get off to a bad start. When it happens in the middle, you have a slump. And what happens at the end, you choke, according to Gene Mock. That was Gene's <laughs> way of describing a bad start, and uh, something that happens badly in the middle. And what happens at the end of the year? It's either a bad start, a slump, or you've choked. Uh, game, it's a great game, man. It's every day. Uh, there's an ebb and flow of emotion. You're right. I mean, Philly's got to win a couple games. They need a short-term victory right here to get them going back in the right direction. And I, and I believe that they will. And uh, I think they'll hold the fort down until Bryce gets back. Uh, I love the way you brought it back to 1985 with Gene Mock. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Very unintentionally. What a great line that is, though, about beginning, middle, and end. That's so good. I love that. Well, one way we're never going back to 1985, in the first 65 games this year, there were five sacrifice bunts. Mm. That's like one game's worth for Gene Mock. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Gene thought if he scored one run, you have to score two to beat him. That was his, <laughs> that was his gig. Hey, we always like you giving us some pearls of wisdom getting out of here. Um, before you do that, I'm going to give you one from the great Vince Scully since I, I was remiss in, in bringing up this line from the Jim Rice game where he went into the stands at Yankee Stadium. That was actually an NBC game of the week. Okay, and We're really going back in the time machine now. Vin and Joe Garagiola doing the game. How great is that? Wow. Uh, and they showed a replay of the fan while Jim Rice and Spike Owen are on the ground on the warning track next to the stands. <laughs> there's the fan reaching over to grab Jim Rice's hat. And Vin Scully is only Vin Scully can do. Said, That's like an auto accident and somebody steals your watch. <laughs> <laughs> the inhumanity of it. That's so good. That is oh, I love that. So uh, with that... Give us uh, something to take out of here, Joe. Yeah, and Spike was one of my old roomies up in Boulder, Colorado. I, I played with Spike. Nice. And, uh, yeah, Spike was a lot of fun. Love Spike. Oh, and can't get enough of that guy. University of Texas. Yeah, this is this is Stephen Covey. And um, uh, back in, I think it was in the 80s also, I read the book, um, Seven ha Habits of Highly Successful People. That's when I was really trying to understand myself better. I was really trying to understand others, seek first to understand, then to be understood. That was one of his um, covenants of, of Covey, Stephen Covey. And I've always loved that, seek first to understand uh, and then to be understood. But beyond that, uh, the one thing that I, I'm going to say right now, I love this because, um, you know, the, 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 those that, that group of people out there that really um, suffer from a victim's complex, I really find that unattractive. And uh, Mr. Kobe said, I am not a product of my circumstances. I am a product of my decisions. And I love that. And um, yeah, so I read him and I read his um, Speed of Trust by his son. His son wrote a book called The Speed of Trust. I can't, it might have been Steve, Stephen Kobe Jr., right? Uh, so I read all Kobe stuff his, and, and his kids stuff, but I've always been a big fan. I'm not a product of my circumstances. I'm a product of my decisions. Accountability. I love that. Reminds me of Albert Camus. We are a product of our choices. There you go. Very well said. We'll see you next time, Joe. Thanks, brother. Straight. I will. And even if you don't, it's a good day. It was yesterday over at um, in Lakeside. Lakeside, where all the stars uh, was with uh, Tom Dreesen, uh, Ray Romano, and Jay Rollins, um, Brady Brady Anderson. When the long drive hall was a really fun day. <laughs> a little windy though, brother. About twenty mile an hour winds. Tough. Yeah, I feel bad for you. <laughs> We'll see you next time. Thank you.
The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.